Hi, this is Cliff for the picture-poems.com website and the circle in the square. The Runaway, a pattern of movement. What I'd like to explore briefly with this dialogue tape is a particular pattern of movement, which I think is really quite revealing as well as interesting. If you remember back to the discussion, the dialogue about the way of force in the way of the Tao or the watercourse way, and then the way we suggested about understanding the difference, truth and function. Well, one of the things that's very revealing about the watercourse way is that it's almost entirely cyclical. So we have this movement of simple to complex and back again as a kind of in and out breathing, which results in patterns of movement of cycles within cycles within cycles. It's one of the key features when one steps back as a naturalist concerned not just with individual objects or species, but primarily with generative uh, movement. Now, a symptom, I'm just suggesting this, so we're looking at it, of the way of force is that a cycle has been broken apart. Once we've transformed the circle into a straight line movement. One of the things we notice is that it loses natural integrity, natural intelligence, and natural limit. Those are really three, way, three ways of saying the same thing. And because it's no longer limit, limited, it spins off into what you could call, as a naturalist again, a wild uh, runaway. So the example that comes immediately to mind is wild uh, exponential uh, growth, which is really a kind of explosion in both time and space, or its inverse, a sudden uh, collapse. So a wild expansion and uh, a wild collapse. Notice that it's really, you could say, like the economists do inappropriately, you could call that growth, but uh, I would be very reluctant to go along with that way of looking, because really what it is is expansion. Things that grow uh, normally don't move in an explosive uh, way. It's more the exception than the rule. Well, you don't have to go very far to explore the effects of runaway. What we're looking for are accelerations of accelerations, 
in movements which seem to be, from a distance, uh, out of control, to use that expression. Well, classically, in sit meditation, that's just the way of talking, uh, meditation in the classical sense, if one sits, with the intention of being quiet and begins to watch one's thoughts or what I call the wheel of thought. Now we have the contrast, two contrasting movements. We have the outward physical instrument which is pretty much uh, motionless so say we're seated in the classic uh, lotus or half lotus or something similar, are pretty much at peace and without movement. Well, instead of watching the outward world, we begin to turn our gaze inward. And we notice, no matter how experienced you are, that on the surface of what we thought, think of as thought and thinking, there is, it's like a turbulent uh, stream of largely, it almost seems like random, discontinuous thoughts. And the actual content will vary from individual to individual depending on one's predispositions, background, expertise, profession, and whatnot. But what I'm suggesting that the deeper formative movement is uh, basically the same. So the way of force in the watercourse way, what is evidently happening is that a part of consciousness has broken itself off and has a natural, unnatural tendency to go into disturbance and runaway. So when we sit in sit meditation, we have this marvelous opportunity to watch it first hand. You don't have to buy anything. You don't have to go to anybody to learn. You simply close your eyes and watch the show unfold. Now, if we project the idea of peace and don't forget, we're exploring just one single pattern of movement, the runaway. If we project the idea of peace, then what we're really doing is breaking apart that movement of thought yet once again with forming an image of a state to be achieved and then the other part of that movement, like your left and right hands, trying to achieve that state, which evidently 
unavoidably and inevitably will create more friction, more contradiction, more waste and more conflict. But you can do it. And outwardly, it can look very successful. The monk that can sit in complete and utter outward physical motionless silence. But inwardly, in terms of the generative energy, is still in a burning kind of runaway. It can be very deceptive. So what we're saying is that, well, there you have it, one of the key, as a naturalist studying thought in conflict, we're looking for patterns, just like we do when we're looking for patterns of, say, invasive species, weeds. Now, they might seem very different, but they're not. An explosive runaway. So what's happening is that the natural harmony of the Tao, the watercourse way, is being broken apart by something. So when we think of a weed in Western thinking, in my own view, we from the very outset make a mistake. We're looking at an individual species. Well, I happen to be sitting right now, it's still early in the morning. Direct sunlight has not yet made its way to camp. In a marvelous uh, alpine meadow, subalpine really, montane, at about uh, 1,500 meters in round numbers, on about two meters of snow. But underneath that snow pack, there's a whole colony of invasives in a slow motion explosion. Uh, for knowers of weeds, it's uh, potentilla rechte, so sulfur sink foil. It's a plant, it's beautiful. It has uh, lemony uh, sulfur five petal blossoms, and it is quite uh, erect, that's the recta, in the botanical epithet. It grows to about 25, 30 centimeters in height, it's very uniform. And in the Alps, where it's an old friend of meadows of at almost exactly the same altitude, it's just one in a community of other species that does not tend to, we could say, dominate. That's a weed person's language, but we're saying now go into runaway. It just fits into a harmonious web and evidently knows its place and is at peace with that. But for reasons which are in no way self-evident, put the same species, and we're calling it a movement, not just a plant, put the same generative movement here. It's like you touch 
a string at a node in up pops potentio erector, a sulfur sink foil, out of this generative movement. And here it goes into runaway growth. So that means it forms uh, um, expansive monocultures, which are always an anathema to the watercourse way. That's interesting, isn't it? So there's a difference of context. In the Alps, there's harmony. We could go into that, but perhaps another time. It's because they're being worked by hand. They're meadows that are cut with a scythe that are very sparingly fertilized with natural cow dung and sheep manure. And they've been worked that way for centuries and have established a certain stability and harmony and diversity on a very small scale, which is uh, uh, sustainable on the long term. Whereas here, because of overgrazing, it's primarily that. Somehow, sulfur sink foil made its way here. The seeds somehow hitchhiked a ride. And uh, because the cattle don't eat it, it's not grazed by elk or deer, there are no uh, natural limits. There might be other things going on under the surface, but there's pressure, a kind of mechanical selection, that takes away the natural limits that we see in the Alps. So it's like an old friend that's on a drunken binge in Las Vegas. It's just gone into a wild uh, runaway. And we're saying that if we let that run its course, say we can step in and try to control it, bring in herbicides and whatnot, which is always uh, the inclination of Western weed science. I question the wisdom of that altogether. It's not that I'm on the side of the weeds. It's that um, it's very, it's not similar. It's identical to now we're no longer looking at potentilla recta, sulfur sink foil, but we're looking at uh, the mind in meditation. So we're seated on the earth, on the floor, and assuming a pose of utter motionlessness and great strength. If you explore classic sit meditation, it's full of magnificent interlocking, interwoven movements of triangles that are very strong, deeply rooted in both earth and sky. Then we turn inwardly and observe in neutrality without trying to change anything. So we suspend the intention of change, like the Alexander Technique people say. In my own words, we suspend, we're just watching. 
Well, and then we see this whole tableau of turbulent thought. The weed person will come in and spray those thoughts with glyphosate, with Roundup. Ha! We'll get rid of those pesky little creatures. Kill them all. And that, I'm saying, is the way of force. Now that's interesting, because on the short term, the way of force prevails. It's very effective, but very short-sighted. And like the Alexander people say again, they're in-gaining. They're trying to achieve a state, not looking at the balance between means and ends. So we step back from it, and we say, first do no harm. So with tremendous violence of chemical warfare, we go in and try to create order. And on the surface, well, some of the weeds disappear. But then in, almost invariably, they come back. There's resistance. I just read an article about this tobacco of trying to eliminate uh, cocaine, the coca plant, I should say. I can't remember the botanical name. In Bolivia, a natural gift of the gods that Western culture of empire has put on its terrorist list and tries to eliminate from the sky by pouring tons of poison. Think of that. And we're paying for it. Well, Mother Nature is not that stupid. So there we have a new variety of coca, the black coca, which is instantly passed around by the cocaleros. Bless them. And so is resistant to this chemical warfare. Well, that's a universal principle that the way of the Tao is not going to be subjugated and defeated by the way of force. There you have it. And what I'm suggesting is that in Western culture, that's all we know. The way of force permeates everything, from politics to military to the management of resources, to banking, to building, to the arts. So we got a big problem on our hands. In one of the species, as a naturalist now, we're concerned not with individual organisms, just, but with species of movement. And in that generalization, there's like a liberation, that suddenly we see the similarities in ostensibly totally different things, which turn out to be not so different at all. And in fact, they're emerging out of the same troubled ground. Run away. 
Well, let's look briefly at the runaway in the world of the culture of force. Where do we see runaway? It's all going to be powered by the destructive, divisive nature of thought and thinking itself. Well, you have that beautiful saying by the great Ralph Waldo Emerson, father and energizer of one of the richest of philosophical spiritual movements on the North American continent, Transcendentalism. It's a bit of an unfortunate name. The great gift of Emerson was putting ideas into memorable aphorisms. And one of the most memorable is, much will have more. Well, that little saying, much will have more, simply four little steps, summarizes really all we need to know about the species of runaway. And let's not call it runaway growth, because it's really not growth at all. Natural growth, is that true? We could say natural growth is always cycle within cycle within cycle. is always circular. Everything sacred is round. And everything that breaks it apart is breaking apart this sacred hoop of life. Well, one of the key symptoms is runaway. The much will have more. Now, what do we think of inwardly? The first thing that comes to mind is desire. Now think of how a culture will deal with the fact of desire, the fact of greed. Well, some cultures could say have, have like their commandments, like outward control by rule of ethical injunction. It's very sim similar to a system of laws that govern things like the speed of a highway, they'll say, well, um, greed is bad. Uh, runaway desire is bad. So they'll try to impose a different way of uh, behaving. We've talked about that before. But then you can have another culture, say like the present culture, which is very different. It actually encourages that runaway. So now in saying that the runaway of runaway capitalism is destructive and bad, we encourage it. Not only encourage it, but worship it. Like what is the excess of excess of excesses is now the multi-billionaire, what is it in North America? It's absolutely breathtaking that the much will have more of money has reached such extremes that a mere 20 multi-billionaires 
own as much material wealth as half of the population. Think of that. Well, what we're exploring as naturalists looking at movement is that these tendencies, if they go unrecognized, will go just like this meadow of sulfur singfoil, will just continue to will just continue as a very destructive force. So the runaway of money. Money by its very nature knows no limit. That's Aristotle. If I uh, uh, express my greed in terms of pairs of skis I own, well, at a certain point, I won't have any place to put them, but that's not the case with money, is it? So, let me conclude with just a few things we can watch in exploring as naturalist of the psyche in its outward expression in the interface between culture and nature, which is that sulfur sink foil meadow, which is just a uh, hundred meters away from where I sit. Think of that. It goes totally unnoticed. People graze here. They don't know that it's going on. We'd have to bring in experts to even see it. But would they understand? No, I don't think they really do understand it. So we're simply observing it, this runaway. Well, part of that runaway that encourage it is another feature of thought, measure. So we can turn money into, for example, on the social media, the social machine, we can turn that into numbers, followers, likes, retweets, or whatever. But the mechanism is exactly the same. The much will have more of Emerson. That little saying, I swear to the heavens and to the living earth, that little saying is worth an entire lifetime of work because it makes crystal clear how destructive, exponential, runaway expansion can be. If what is, is a harmony of moving cyclical relationship, which is beyond thought and knowing, all we have to do is throw like a monkey wrench into that marvelous wholeness of the weave, one single thing that rips it apart with a runaway expansion. And that's really what invasive species are. They come in and rip apart wholeness. In the way of Tao, of Mother Nature, on the long term, 
will heal that, will always heal it. It may take many, many years, but it will eventually come back into wholeness and balance. But it will be a new kind of wholeness and a new kind of balance. From the human point of view, might not even be relevant because it might take millennia. But that we, that thing that comes in and disturbs wholeness, well, if you were seated in sit meditation in the north of India, in the foothills of the great Himalaya, in teaching North Indian classical music, well, I think one could see almost instantly, ah, yes, a weed. Well, just Western commercial music would be an onslaught, which is very similar, ripping apart the great and magnificent wholeness of a musical tradition, which is centuries old, in a heartbeat, because of runaway desire, runaway measure, and all of these things that are active under the surface. So it's not just commercial music itself, the MTVization of sound, totally based in the eyes. Think of it. Not the ear, but the eyes. Well, if we understand the deeper formative movement, I think we can free ourselves. It doesn't touch you. So in order to preserve that North Indian classical music, I'm just using that as an example. If we become aware of that degenerative runaway movement, we can stop it without force. The awareness stops it dead in its tracks. So this worshiping of the billionaire, what could be more degenerate than that, of runaway greed? What could be more degenerate than that, propping up the ugliest weeds of the meadow and calling them almost gods. The runaway, well, there's a lot to go into. Patterns of movement. That's what we give our attention to. Patterns of movement. Okay, that's it for now. Signing off for the picture-poems.com website in the circle in the square. Thanks for tuning in. Ciao for now.